We're starting week one of the elephant in the room. And if you don't know what that means, because I guess there's probably five of you that don't know what that means. It's that thing that you don't want to talk about or that thing that everybody's dealing with and you're not sure that you should speak about it. You know what I'm talking about? Six of you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? There we go. And, and stress happened to be when we took a poll, number one. I was surprised, I'll be honest with you, but I've heard from some of my buddies that are pastors that have done this, that it's always number one. And so when I saw that it was number one a couple weeks ago, I said, we got to figure this thing out. <laughs> and I haven't, praise the Lord, y'all are excited now, right? Let me show you what we got in our house. Stress. Candles, right? For real. A candle, like, and it smells delicious. It's uh, eucalyptus and spearmint, praise the Lord, right? And then we have uh, soap. This is for real, like human soap that you pump and you wash your hands with, but it says stress relief. And it's in our bathroom downstairs, and like I smell it, and I'm like, that's potent, right? That's giving me more stress. And like, I, and we have the same lotion, and Leah didn't bring that. Leah brought me these two things. I said, you should bring those. That would be funny. And she said, that would be funny. And she brought them, and I just thought, we buy things and pay more money for a candle and for, for soap that say stress relief on them because we so want stress to be relieved in our lives. Do y'all know what I'm talking about this morning? So let me ask y'all a question. Thank you, my friend. Let me ask y'all a question. Just show of hands. How many of y'all have zero anxiety, stress, or any worry in your life whatsoever? None. None. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. One person in two services has none, and I'm going to step down off the stage now. Let him come. Just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> but at the end of the day, here's the truth. We may not define it as stress. But all of us have something in our lives that we worry about. It may be. Y'all ready for this? Because I watched you when I got up here and y'all didn't know I was watching you. Wink, got you. Like, but I watch people how they worship. And here's the deal. The reason that we hold on in worship is because that we're so worried about what everybody else thinks. Did you know? I'm going to teach this sometime because this is good. Y'all allowed to talk to me when I'm talking. This is good stuff right here. Did you know that when David brought the temple the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant for the very first time. And it was the tabernacle. He didn't get to build the temple. His son did. But did you know that when he brought it in for the first time, he stripped down naked? I'm not asking anyone to strip down naked. Let me say this clearly. Please keep your clothes on. Okay, y'all with me? Praise the Lord. We got that out of the way. But this is what he said. I'm not worried about what they think. I want to be reverent. (laughs) Wow, really? I thought reverent was you're not allowed to wear a hat. And I thought Reverend meant you had to have the tie perfectly in a Windsor knot. Come on, somebody. And I thought, like, I thought we had to be just right and cleaned up. And David said, you know what? I'm free before God. And I went to show him how free I am before God. And so I believe that some of us in here are still holding on to something. That's what we're going to get rid of today. And I can't wait. And I'm excited. We're going to let it go. So, like, it's going to be great. I'm telling y'all. I'm telling y'all. And can I just say this? The reason I think I've been so passionate this week, if y'all have social media, you probably saw my face and it was like up close, so my lips looked even bigger. It was rough. Come on now. But the reason I've been so passionate about this is because this is a testimony for me. And I mean like up till recently. Can I just be real? Up till recently, this has been real for me. And God is just releasing me, and I believe that that's why we're about to shift into something that we can't even imagine. That's what I believe. Come on. Somebody else clap with Brandon if y'all believe that this morning. But now let's all get on the same page. Here's what we got some stress about, okay? Here's what we got some stress Are y'all with me? Does anybody drive a car? <laughs> Show of hands. Some of y'all don't. That's okay. If it's for other reasons, it's okay too. We're not mad at you. We're glad you're here, all right? So 
But I think this is White Horse Road. But can I just, this is free. This has nothing to do with the message. I just need to get something off my chest. Build some more roads. You know what I'm talking about? Like I drive on 85 a lot every single day. And it, I, I plan it for rush hour. It's stupid on my part, right? And I just look at the people and say, where are you coming from, right? Go, go somewhere else. We live here, right? What's the problem? And like, this is little Atlanta, little Charlotte. Like, isn't this growing together? And praise the Lord, they're coming to four points, and then it's going to get crazy. Like, it's going down for real. But like, like, but traffic is crazy. So last week I was in Chattanooga, and I got to speak Friday night for one of my best friends who had their anniversary service. And then Sunday, we just, it was awesome. And I got to experience that with them while Lawson was here. And so I'm leaving the service. This is, this is serious. And they have six services. That's a lot, by the way. People complain about two, and they go for six. Like, and after the fourth one, we went to eat, and it was late, and we started on our way home. And I'm just on I-75 South, heading to Atlanta. And I'm going 70. Like, can I do the, if, if the speed limit is 70, and I'm in the passing lane, and I'm going the speed limit, you need to get up out my face. You know what I mean? Like, get over because you're causing me stress. That's today. Come on, somebody. But like, I'm driving the speed limit. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not going less than the speed limit. I'm not going more than the speed limit. And this dude's in front of me, and he's in some kind of white car, and it doesn't matter what it was, but I just know it was a dude and a girl. And I'm just, I'm not paying attention. I'm talking to Leah about how, what all God did that day. And then I see the brakes, boom, like the brakes come on, and then I see two middle fingers out the car. And I'm like, you know, what did I do? And then my flesh, okay, starts like, raising up and I feel right here to get back down there that's not what we're supposed to do right now and I looked at Leah and said what did I do she said you just a magnet for mean people I don't understand it (laughs) so Friday I'm with Lawson who preached here last Sunday and we're driving through the country to go to a place that we were ministering with 18 people in their family called the Greens and like anyway so like um we're driving some of y'all got that tell your neighbor if they didn't get it at golf, right? But like, we're driving through the country and, and I'm driving like 35. We're talking and I don't even like not paying attention. And this dude like slams on his brakes. He gets out of the truck <laughs> and he looks at me and says, Wooblin, and words, 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 right? I'm beep, 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 like that. And I'm like, first of all, he doesn't know what I look like because I had him. And like, the second thing is, I'm like, what did I do? I'm driving under the speed limit this time, and you get out because you wanted to fish in the Johnny's fishing hole, and like I, I did something wrong. And then it's us, right? Because we just people become different people when they're on the road, Rah! and you lose your minds, right? Because it's stressful. Here's the next one, and some of y'all need to talk to me right now. Every mom in the room just went, "Praise the Lord!" <laughs> Can I just tell you, in our house bedtime, whew, Leah gets really mad because I'll go in there and I'll say, "Now, buddy." Do you want daddy to get upset? No. Then I need you to be quiet. And I need you to close your eyes. And you go, night, night, okay? Pew, quiet. Listen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the same thing. And I, oh, I'm telling you, he won't do it. She goes in there. She does the same thing. Mommy! Mommy! Daddy! Daddy! I come in so, and he stops. Is this something magical that they just want to scream and go nuts? And they, they know, listen, if you don't have kids, don't pray. That's good. Okay. But like. They know one word, and it is, Mom. mommy. <laughs> and I just look up and say, I'm not even mommy, and I don't want to hear it anymore, right? Hush. <laughs> and if you don't have kids yet, wait to have kids. Like, it's all good. But now my kids are awesome, all joking aside. But it does add stress to our life, doesn't it? Yeah. The next one. 
This doesn't matter if you have a job, if you're, if you're in school, but there's always a deadline and you're always working on something, aren't you? Even if it's the IRS, come on somebody, right? Like we always have deadlines and it seems like this dude is always catching us. And we're always looking over our shoulders. Something's behind us. And then can we be honest right now? All joking aside, sometimes it's what we create, isn't it? But I came in here today not to be judgmental, but to tell you there's freedom. But when that deadline's chasing you, it's stressful. It's stressful. And then the last one is just the rat race, right? seems like we're always running. It doesn't matter if it's your job or if it's your hobby even. Like, why is it that when I play golf, <laughs> I get through and I'm like, I feel like I just worked. <laughs> and I hit that thing a lot, right? And we found all the trees and like all the stuff. And like no matter what we do, it just seems like we can't be full of joy. Because life just seems like I'm going in, in motions. And, it, and it's because I want more of everything that I have. Because this saying is true. Y'all look at this. If one is good, then two is better. So if one Krispy Kreme donut that we had up there is good, two is. And 12 is even. Especially if they're hot. Come on now, right? And since we had trick-or-treat last night, and some of y'all didn't participate because you're more spiritual than me, but I got y'all's candy. Got them, right? It's okay. Don't be upset. Don't be upset. Sorry, spiritual people. I love you too. But like, my kids had a bunch of candy, and I felt like if one Reese's cup is good, then two is. Come on, somebody. Praise Jesus for two Reese's cups. And if one week's vacation is good, then two weeks' vacation is. Awesome. I like that too. And if one wife is good, then two wives are. Wrong. Don't say that. Come on, somebody. It's weird. Some of y'all said better. I heard you. I heard y'all say that. That is weird that y'all said that. I, I caught you. Or husband. I shot. Even though. All right. So, whew, praise the Lord. But, like, it seems like we always want. And I just thought of this when I, when I was looking at this stuff. It's like, we have a cell phone. Have y'all ever seen this? Y'all seen the commercial with, where they take the cell phone out of their hands? And people are walking around like this and they don't know what to do? Like, and how dumb does this look? And, like, if you watch people, that's how we look. And you watch people at a table. And like five people at a table, and everybody's looking at that, or a tablet, right? If one phone is good, a tablet and a phone is better. And our distraction is crazy. And like, I remember growing up, uh, and I'm old, so like, just, just go with it, praise the Lord. But like, I got a Nintendo when I was like nine or 10, and we thought we were the stuff, you know what I mean? Because we had Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers. Come on, somebody, right? It was a big deal. And we, somebody had an Atari that I was reading. It might have been Daniel. Somebody had an Atari, and we played some Pitfall. We were nasty, right? But then we went from that Atari to Duck Hunt. Watch out now. But we played outside. Do y'all remember playing outside? Does anybody even remember going outside, right? And, like, your mama would check you for ticks at the end of the day because that's what we did. And today, we're running all the time. But we're not running outside, we're running inside, and we're keeping up with the Joneses. And I don't know if y'all know this, but, like, social media is big. Some of y'all don't have it, don't get it, right? But if you've got it, like, old people use Facebook, younger people use Instagram and Snapchat, and, like, like there's different things for different people, and I, I like Twitter, but that makes me, like, almost old and almost young. So, like, but did you know this? That when someone likes something you posted that you have respect for or that you hope likes them. Because y'all remember this as kids, that you hoped you were popular and could sit at the popular table. But when someone important retweets something or likes something or shares something, it puts off an endorphin or endorphins in your brain. And that is an addictive chemical. And the more we get it, the more we want it. 
And the reason that we're looking at the people beside us saying, I wonder if they're mad at us because they didn't like my stuff this week is because it's splitting us apart. And I know if you don't have social media, you probably think that's funny. But can anybody else talk to me in here? Am I the only one that struggled with that? Nope, because it's ripping us apart. And then we keep running and we keep running. And the average American eats out. Right, it's kind of gross. Some places you should eat out at. Some places you should eat out. 18,000 times in our lives. That's an average of 244 times a year, which is 1,800 times at McDonald's. Wow. We might can change the whole nutritional value thing if we just cut that in half, you know what I mean? And we work an average of 180 hours more than the last generation per year. And we run and we run and we run and we believe if you have three, if you have four, if I can just get this next thing, if I could just do more. And the wisest man that ever lived started Ecclesiastes by saying it's all meaningless. Everything's meaningless. And then in chapter four, he says this, better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. And it seems like we are living in a world that is two handfuls or maybe 10 handfuls. Are y'all with me? Is anybody in the house today? We have 10, 12 handfuls and we're trying to carry them around and we have these burdens that are all over us and we're just trying to make sure that we're cool enough. And so we clack another selfie, right? Because we need people to like what we've done and we have to find our self-worth in something else and we care even if we say that we don't. And I'm not talking about stress and anxiety. I'm talking about bigger than that. We care, man. Like we really need people to appreciate us. And he's like, look, sometimes it's just better to have a handful of quiet and just sit alone than have all this stuff that we've got going on. And then Job, who if you've never read Job, man, he went through some stuff. And this is what he said in Job chapter 9. He said, my days are swifter than a runner. And they flee away and they see no good. They're just running and running and running and running. And that word no good means no joy. It's like, I just, I'm being honest. I've experienced no joy in my life. I skipped the slide. It's like, can we just come to an agreement that, that it's cool if we just don't have as much stress? Can anybody come to that agreement with me? Like, I'm not sure. You've just given us a lot of bad news and all those people, right? But it's like, it, it never stops. And I'm running. And here's the deal. Everybody, everybody runs. So this is not the good news part. I'm getting there. But we've got to get on the same page and realize this. All of us run. All of us run. All of us are going to run. We don't have a choice but run, no matter how much you want to slow down. Like I've heard people say, if I just won the lottery, like I would move to Montana and just get a ranch. Lies. You know what I mean? Like you would have six tablets and your tablets would like play music and have videos and do like in your house in Montana that you're not supposed to be doing anything. We wouldn't have a safe haven. We would still be active and busy. And so the question is, am I not, it's not, am I going to run? We all run, therefore we have stress and anxiety. But why and how we run is what answers the question, and it, and it makes the difference in our lives. And so there's three kinds of runners. This isn't from the Bible. I just was riding down the road and was talking to text, and so if y'all saw me do this, don't tell the police, all right? But like... We run to lead or run to win. This is the people that I want to run with. Is that okay with y'all? I like to win. I'm not into ties. I'm not into everybody gets a trophy at the end of the season. I'm not mad at the people that like that, but like, okay. So like you run with purpose. 
When you get up in the morning, you have a purpose to your life. And then there's people that you just run to run. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm never going to say anything if God is willing to help me through not saying anything. Okay, so let me get a little side. But if I hear people say this, I get like, I get anxious, so I'm admitting sin. I'm just cool, kind of just doing my thing. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? How do you not want to win? Like, that's how I feel. I'm not saying it to y'all. I'm not mad at y'all. But like, like, come on. God made you with a purpose, and it's to glorify and honor him. And he did not make you to be average or ordinary. He made you to be extraordinary. And why have we let something define us and believe that it's okay just to run? Why are we hamsters going in place constantly, constantly, constantly? We think it's all good. I'm just going to do my thing because most of us run just to run. And we get home, we're like, I got to do this crap again. I don't apologize for saying crap because that's probably cleaner than what a lot of us say. Are y'all with me this morning? And then the scary ones are the ones that run the, run the wrong race altogether. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I love Paul, man, because he just talked about it. He was like, you know what, bump it. I, I, I was this person. I was a murderer of Christians. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, if you knew what I did, you wouldn't even be talking to me. And I'm telling you right now, the man that probably shifted the world more than any other human being not named Jesus killed Christians, and that seems bad <laughs> to target Christians. Is anybody with me? Whew, that guy. And at the end of his life, he's like, listen, listen, all, all of us are going through these same things, and you just have to start understanding that it's okay, and you can understand it. First Corinthians 9 says, do you not know that, that all of us are in a race? All runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. And by the way, later, two verses after that, it says that we will be disqualified. If we're running the wrong race, we will be disqualified. That's the ones that perish. And many of us in this room are running races, and this is what the race is. I'm just doing my thing. It's all about me. I'm going to come to church and get God off my back for a week. I'm not really going to lean into the Word. I'm not really going to lean into what God has to say to me. I'm going to do my thing, and if God will just get off my back, I'll try to be a good enough person. God did not create you to be good. God created you to be alive. John 10, 10 says the thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundant. Does that mean that I won't have stress? No, it does not. What it means is he came to make you alive. And most of us just run the race and we say, ah, I can't make sense of all this. Can I just tell you this? His ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And you're not going to make sense of a lot of it and you're going to keep running. But which race are you in? Guys, which race are you in? Pastor, that dude left me. So now what? What if God had that in plan for you before time began and, and he wanted that person to be out of your life? Yeah, but God wouldn't want that. Okay, so you know God's plan for your life better than I do and better than he does and better than anybody else. The Holy Spirit of God knows the plans for your life. You do not. And when we stop defining the Holy Spirit and what he has for us and we begin to walk with him and say, dude, I don't, I don't really get this, but I'm going to trust you. Things start shifting. And things start changing. And I start opening up going, you know, I, do, I, I love, listen to me carefully. I love every single one of y'all. We have prayed deeply over many of you in this room this week. But I do not care if you don't like me. I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. But I don't care. If what I say offends you, 
I'm not going to lose sleep. Why? Because this is for God, not for you. And the minute that that shifts in your life and you stop going, I wonder what they're liking and not liking. I wonder if they're sharing it. Come on now. I wonder if they want to be seated at my table. Like, I wonder if they wish they could hang out with me. I wonder, I wonder, I wish it changes. And we're in a race. And I don't know who wrote Hebrews. No one does. Paul may have written it. And if he did, it's interesting because in Hebrews 12, he says, therefore, as a result, listen, of all these things, and in chapter 11, he's talking about faith and going through all these things. He said, listen, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses like this room has, let us lay aside everything that, that binds us up. And let's throw off the sin that has us tangled up. And many of you came in here with those things, didn't you? Three of you admitted it. We all admitted it at the beginning, and now none of us want to admit it now. We have stress. That's what this is. It's not all sin. He says, let's throw it off and lay it aside and run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. And so, listen, does this mean that I get to take time off and not run the race? You can talk. Do I have to run a race? Yes. All of us. But only one gets the prize, and it's the ones of us that are following Jesus. So one of my favorite verses in the Bible, if I've sent y'all a letter before, chances are I've put... Matthew 6.33 on it. My mentor used to, used to quote this over and over and over, and he kind of beat it into my head. But 32 is interesting because this is what 31 and 32 says. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? And this sounds like us, doesn't it? And what shall we wear? And what shall we eat? And what shall we do? And where should we go? And what time does it start? And what, what do I do? For the Gentiles and the people that don't know Jesus is who he's talking about. Seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need all of them. Stop being anxious. And so listen, if you read this and you hear the word anxious, you're like, man, that's awesome. That's what I shouldn't do. But this is why studying the Bible is different than just scanning the Bible. And this is why spending 30 seconds with Jesus probably isn't enough. Because when you just take this, and you say, you know what, I'm interested in what that word means. I'd like to know. Maybe it's a different meaning than my anxious. It is. And this is what it means. Marimna. Can y'all say marimna? marimna. Say marimna. marimna. <laughs> it means anxious or worry. And some of your translations say, stop worrying about tomorrow. But it means to be pulled apart in the opposite direction, listen, of where I'm intended to go. To be pulled apart. It actually says in the Greek, to be fractured and severed of God's intention for my life. To be separated from what something is intended to be. Now, I'm just going to warn y'all I'm fixing to, to go straight Pangocostal, okay? So I'm just going to give y'all a warning shot right now because I'm about to get into this one. Because it gives understanding and meaning to what we're going through. In two weeks, as part of this message, I'm going to talk to you guys about facing spiritual warfare because that was number two or three on our list. And because all of y'all feel attacks in your life and you're like, why is this happening? And all of y'all have started asking questions like, why would this happen? Why would this person be out of my life? And you've tried to make answers for it and you've tried to make sense of it. And it was never yours to make sense of. And you've, listen, you've tried to bring people back into your life that God does not want in 
your life. And you've made things happen. And you've started moving. And you've started giving in and saying, I'm going to beg you to like me. Or that job that you lost and you thought it was the end of the world and God had something better for you, but you didn't want to trust God for something better, so you made sure that you could sneak your way in and do something a little bit dirty and illegal so that you could make sure you could keep doing that. And then we wonder where the blessings of God are in our lives. Jesus said in his most famous message, but just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. Seek first. We should do a message on giving God our first. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? Somebody remembers that. Praise the Lord. But seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I got the other stuff. And the next verse is, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Trust me. I've got it. And listen, y'all remember this? A promise without a principle is an empty promise. The principle the principle that we can live by, the guardrail on this side is seek first the kingdom of God and the guardrail on this side is, and I've got it all added unto you. I've got you covered. And so many of us with our mouths, listen to me, don't miss this. We have, we have sought first and said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. But we thought that meant that Jesus wanted to make us a good person and not alive in him. And we can't give meaning to all these marimnas, these anxieties, and we start thinking about verses like Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious, Marimna, about nothing but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Present my request to God. Listen, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard my heart and mind. Why is my heart and mind not being guarded? Because I've never given my Marimna to God. It says, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your Marimna on Jesus because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and alert. The enemy, the devil, is prowling around you like a roaring lion, waiting to devour you. Resist him and stand firm in the faith. Listen. My goodness. He wants to rip you apart from the destiny that God has for you. He doesn't want to rip you apart where you currently are. He doesn't care about that. He knows what your future holds. And he knows who holds your future. And if he can just take your eyes off the prize... It ends everything. And so many times when I'm around people that have passed away, I, I, I see them share Romans 8, 28 with great intentions. We know all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But man, the next verse starts answering this question. The next verse says, those whom he foreknew. Can I tell you what foreknew means? A lot of you know it. I'm not trying to be elementary, but it means that before you were born, and then let's back up just a little bit. Before earth had form, he knew you. Is that crazy a little bit? God knew your name. God knew what you were going to look like and the hairs on your head. Genesis 1, 26 and 7 says you were made in the image of God. It says that he said, let us make man in our image. And so inside of you, is not the person that you hate and not the person that you believe is defined by everything that everybody else says. It's your spirit that God has placed inside of you. And your house that the spirit lives in is this body that God's given me. And I'm a pangle, but only for 80 or 90 or 
35 years if God takes me home this year. And you know what? Let's go. If that's God's plan, I'm ready to go see him because my spirit is alive. My body may be dying and every day it may be changing. And I'm kind of like Oprah. I get big and I get small and I get big and I get small, but this is the temple that it is holding. It is not what is actually making me over and who I am. And do you know why I know that? It's because he foreknew me. And it, so what is this word? He predestined, meaning he previewed and predetermined my destiny and what my destiny will be. What is my destiny? To be conformed into the image of Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. To be conformed to the image of Jesus. To be more like him every day. To start walking in faith and start becoming more like him. Not to be a good person. Listen to what I'm telling you. Not to get better. Not to do more. Not so people look at me and say he's good. Not so people start looking and saying, man, I like what that guy says. But to be more like Jesus. Listen, the reason the enemy is fighting against you and the reason you sit where you sit today and say, I'm not sure, Pastor, if you knew the hell that I was going through. This is what I'm sure of. The enemy's not attacking you. The enemy is attacking your destiny, your unrealized reality. God knows everything that will happen. God knows every door that can be open. God is waiting on you to let him have it all. And yet I'm defined by my marimna. I'm defined by it. Yeah, but pastor, man, if you just knew the hard times I'm going through. Yeah, but I know the Jesus that you worship. And I'm just wondering if anybody else is ready to see that jail that I'm sitting in this morning. The doors kick down, boom, boom. And it's not me kicking the doors down. It's the Holy Spirit of the living God kicking the doors down. And all the things, listen, listen, listen. All the things that I thought were defining me were the things that God was trying to expand my territory. And the enemy is fighting against your territory. And I say no more. I say no more of that. He is not fighting you in your person. The enemy is fighting what you can be in Christ. Why? Because God knows what will happen if you ever let him have it all. And if you ever say, it's not about my stress, it's not about anything else. And this is the part of this verse. Woo, I hadn't even gotten started yet. Come on, somebody. Verse 31 says, so if this is true, if God is for me, who can be against me? <laughs> I can hear Paul laughing while he's pinning this. Can y'all? <laughs> Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor principality, nor darkness. Nothing can separate me from God's love. There is nothing. But every day I find us, I'm with you, telling everybody what's separating me. And I'm telling you I'm saying no more. I'm not letting my maramna start defining me anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to shut it down. I'm ready to look out at people and if they think I'm weird because I sing a little bit off key and I sing a little bit too loud, I don't care. And if I talk with a, with a camera phone a little bit too close and you can see my big face, I don't care. Come on now. Why? Because I'm not who you say I am. I'm who the King of Kings says I am. Come on, somebody. Woo! And so where do we go from here? What do we do? How do we run? Because the fact is we're all going to run. And this is how... The author of Hebrews, if it was Paul or whoever it is, this is what he said. Let's throw off everything that's hindering us and let's run the race with endurance, the race marked out before us. And here's the next line. Man, that's good. (laughs) 
I just had this conversation this week. I, I was by myself. This is a me and God conversation. And I just like, how many times have I had all these maramnas? And I don't look at Jesus, man. I look at y'all and I say, they're, they're mad at me. And I look at everything else, man. I look at the deadlines, you know what I mean? I look at, are my kids ever going to shut up, man? I've been working all day and I've talked to these people and are my kids ever going to stop and our headaches start going? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And all these people in our lives start falling down and everything's going crazy and these things are just hanging on me and I don't let it go and say, God, it's all yours. And we wonder, people think we're weird when we stand up and we worship with our hands lifted high and our hearts raised up to Jesus. But listen to me, I don't really care. I'm just throwing the things off and I'm praising through all those things. And do you know where I'm looking? Somebody tell me where I'm looking. I'm looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of my faith, who with the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning and shamed, and he's seated on the right hand of God today. And do you know why he did all those things? I don't think he was on a joy ride. I don't think he looked up one day and said, you know what, I'd love nine-inch nails strapped through my arms and through my ankles, and I'd bing, bing, bing. I think that'd be fun to have a spear in my side and a crown of thorns on my head. But I think the thing that's crazier than that is he never even looked at the nails. He looked at you. And the only thing that he's waiting on, for me to be able to deal with my Miranda and put a purpose to my Miranda and run with purpose and endurance, be smarted out before me so that I can reach the destiny and my fullest life in Jesus and begin to define myself not by what I am or what I believe I am or how good of a speaker I am into this microphone, but simply I'm a son of the Most High God and clothed in his glory and honor. It's simply to say, you know what, man? You looked at me when you were being beaten for no reason at all when I was desperate and hopeless and dead and lost. You sent Jesus. So the way that I'm going to deal with all these stresses and anxieties and be able to put an understanding behind it is it's all for my good and your glory. You've made me with a purpose in mind, and I'm just going to walk with you. I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to throw off what hinders, and I'm going to look up, and I'm going to praise through it all the time, always, and I'm going to do it. And so please answer this question right now, wherever you're sitting. Are you in the race? Because you're in a race. Are y'all with me? You're in a race. It just may not be the race marked out before you. It may be the race that you decided you wanted to mark out before you. And you may still be trying to shift things in your life so that things can work out. And I know that all things work out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It just may not be the good that I thought they were supposed to be. Because in this life, I will face trials and tribulations of many kind, but I can take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. That's John 16, You're going to face a lot of hardship. You're going to have stress. Are y'all with me? but I don't have to let that stress define me. Watch this. I can let it start defining what my destiny is and see the doors that God's about to kick open and see what he's going to do. But this is how you know. This is how you know. And I love this verse. Matthew 13, 44. I believe this kind of is the defining verse in the Bible, whether or not you're a follower of Jesus or a follower of just something. And that Jesus dude seems pretty cool. Jesus took authority over a lot of things, but did you know he really only taught about the kingdom? And he was obsessed with the kingdom. It's like, seek first the kingdom of God. It's all about me, so I need y'all to know that it's all about me. This is Jesus, not Mark, believe me. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. 
Can you imagine finding a treasure worth a billion dollars? Let's say this is worth a billion dollars. Just show of hands. If y'all found out today and someone whispered in your ear and no one else knew that there was a treasure across the street worth a billion dollars, by a show of hands, how many of y'all would want to buy that land that's worth $1.8 million? Would you try to stir up $1.8 million so that you could get a billion? I would. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What if it was your destiny and your eternity and everything that will ever define you and life in his name and everything else and freedom and a new start and a new way? I think I'd sell it much faster. You can have the billion dollars and you can have the life of luxury. I'll take Jesus. It says that then in his joy, somebody say joy. Am I the only one that thinks Christians might could use a little joy pill? Like we put a smile on your face when you know what I'm talking about? Because we're sad people. In his joy, he sold everything that he has. That doesn't sound like something that should bring you joy unless you know that the thing that is in the field is much greater than anything else. And the field is forever. And the treasure is Jesus Christ's grace that he offers us every single day. His mercies are new every morning. His love never comes to an end. But I don't have joy for that because it's a figment of my imagination and something a preacher said one time. And so I wouldn't sell anything for that case. And here's what's crazy. God didn't ask you to sell everything. He just asked for all of you. And he goes and buys that field. Man, I love that so much. And I just think that's the picture to know what race you're in. Because I think a lot of people slip their hand up in a dark room and say, dude, that sounds awesome. I want that get out of hell free ticket. I can still do my thing. You know what? God's not worried about what your thing is. <laughs> he just wants you to be alive. And I promise you this. If you go and sell that field and you receive Jesus, you don't want to do that thing that you used to do. But he's not trying to make you good. He's trying to make you alive. And I'm telling you right now, look at, look at, you got a destiny that God has this way better than you can define for yourself. And I just want to know today, does anybody want that destiny? Does anybody want their destiny, their fullest life defined by Jesus and not you anymore? Because if that's the case, we're going to give you a chance right now. Will you bow your heads with me? I'm asking y'all to do something today. It might be a little different for you if you don't go to this church. But as loud as you can, with pride in your heart, I want you to repeat this after me. God does not save you by a magic prayer. He saves you with, because your heart says, I will find and follow you. And with all my joy, I'm surrendering it all to you. But I want you to pray out loud because Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what we're going to do right now. Repeat after me, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. Everybody, let me hear you. I believe you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I believe you did all those things so that I could be alive and you could take my place in death. Today, Jesus, I'm receiving that life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. This is only going to take a second. <laughs> Declare with all of your heart this second, if for the first time you meant it, that you want to be done with Marimna. 
You know that you're going to deal with it, but you want to cast it at the feet of Jesus. And with your heart and with your mouth, you're confessing that Jesus is Lord. And for the first time today, you're declaring that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you did that right now, don't you let anything hold you back. Just throw your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I don't care how much you know about the Bible or how much you don't know about the Bible, where you come from or what your name is. Your name is son or daughter of the king the minute that you say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to throw it up. And I know in this room there's somebody. So let me see it right now. Who is it? Come on, somebody else. Let me see it. Let me see it. Who is it? Who is it? Everybody look this way. I got great news. This is really awesome. Every one of you, every one of you sitting in here said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's the question. How many of y'all would be honest and say, dude, there's some stuff I need to throw off. You know what I mean? And I'm ready to throw it off today. Can I, can I just see by y'all standing up in front of your peers and saying, I really don't care what they think if that's you today. If you're ready to throw some Aramna off and you're ready to say, I'm ready to follow and I'm ready to see my life changed. Let me give you one word before, before they come and sing one of my favorite songs. God did not make you so that you could just go through the motions and be ordinary. God made you to change the world. So I'm asking you this week to get your hopes up. But don't put your hope in me because I will fail you. And don't put your hope in this church. Put your hope in glory. Put your hope in Jesus and watch what he does. And then this is what's crazy. When you get your hopes up in the right place, something will shift in your life and the Holy Spirit of God will begin to speak into your life and things will begin to change. It might not get easier, but things will begin to change. And here's God's plan for your life. And I can define it like this. I don't know, <laughs> but I do know this. Psalm 8 says that he clothed you and you and you and all of you in his glory and honor. And that word in the Hebrew is kavad. And that means that he put his imprint. Like when you walk down the beach and you leave something behind, that's your kavad. God put that on you so that you could show it to everybody else. So instead of trying really hard to shine your light this week, why don't you let his light shine in you by letting his kavod start going out in front of you and by letting his word never return void. And I'm telling, can I just tell you the truth? When we have this much faith, Jesus said we'll move mountains. So what if we have a handful of faith instead of two handfuls of toil? Come on, somebody. What if for the first time ever, We'll just stop caring what everybody else thinks. And I'm asking you to keep your clothes on, so don't quite go as far as David did. But what if when we sing the king is among us and his glory surrounds us, that we'll just say, you know what? I believe that your glory, your kavod is surrounding us, and we see revival happening in this place. And we're just going to lift up the name of Jesus right now and believe God. Last thing, this is part of worship, and if this offends you, you still need to figure out what race you want to run. It's time to give our first, and it's the first of the month. And I'm daring y'all for the first time, some of you, to say, God, you can have all of me, and I'm going to give my first, and I'm going to watch you do the rest. I'm going to drop the mic, but I want y'all to sing with all your hearts. Listen, some of you, for the first time, for real, for real. It's not about me. It's not about our amazing band and our amazing volunteers, and I love every one of you so much, but it's about King Jesus. Let's sing with all of our hearts, and let's rip the roof off this house right now that the King is among us. Come on.